0: Okay.
1: Good morning, everyone. Broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. This is the Sons of Sequoia podcast, episode number 64 for April 30th, 2021. How are you this morning? I'm doing well. How are you doing this morning, David? I'm doing okay. I, uh... I woke up and I can't even use my hand. I'm getting old. I think it's arthritic or something. I don't know. So I'll try to limp through managing this podcast. Today we'll be talking about the 2021 Academy Awards.
0: Yes, uh, uh, we had a lot of a lot of winners, a lot of interesting things that happened, I think. Yeah,
1: we'll talk about our main categories. We saw most of the documentary shorts and three of the five documentaries. So those categories were of particular interest to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll look through everything. And you didn't watch the Oscars, did you? No, I didn't. I did. And things were extraordinarily peculiar this year. Um, partially because of COVID 19, partially because the award show was laid out in a strange manner. They didn't do things in the traditional order. And I found it to be somewhat strange. And we'll discuss all of that in this hour. So, are you ready to jump into it? I'm ready. Okay, let me kill the music and we'll start talking, jibber-jabbering. So let's take a look here at, where should we start, do you think?
0: Wherever you want to start.
1: Let's start with, um, you know, I think that our greatest media critic, former President Trump, let's see what he thought about the Oscars. He released an official press release about this. Let's take a look. Here we go. Save America, it says. President Donald J. Trump, April 27th, 2021. Statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th President of the United States of America. He says, what used to be called the Academy Awards and is now called the, quote, Oscars, a far less important and elegant name, had the lowest television ratings in recorded history, even much lower than last year, which set another record low. If they keep with the current ridiculous formula, it will only get worse, if that's possible. Go back 15 years, look at the formula they then used, change the name back to the Academy Awards, don't be so politically correct and boring, and do it right. Also, bring back a great host. These television people spend all their time thinking about how to promote the Democrat Party, which is destroying our country, and cancel conservatives and Republicans. That formula certainly hasn't worked very well for the Academy. Okay, so I want to... So that's his statement about the Academy Awards. Yes. And the Oscars. Do you feel like it's more sad than anything, or what?
0: (laughs) Uh, It wasn't about the Academy Awards that much.
1: I would describe it as more sad than anything, but I would also like to point out that the president wants us to go back 15 years. And 15 years ago, the Academy Award was hosted by Jon Stewart. Um, So Donald Trump loves Jon Stewart. And the Academy Awards, uh, the biggest winner that year was Brokeback Mountain, which was, of course, about homosexual cowboys. So I think that what Donald Trump was trying to say in this press release is that my two favorite things in the world are Jon Stewart and homosexual cowboys. Right?
2: hmm And uh,
0: by making America great, he wants to go back 15 years. hmm He loves Jon Stewart.
1: And uh, a crash was also uh, 20, 2006. So that would be... Um, that's right. You know, that's racial inequity. So the two problems that he's most focused on fixing is racial inequity and, and uh, the ability for cowboys who happen to be homosexual to live their lives freely together. Um, and I understand why those issues are so important to him. Um, it's interesting that he didn't focus on them while he was in office, but I'm glad he's shedding light upon them now. Um, so that was his statement. My statement was, the Academy Awards may have had low ratings because uh, he did such a poor job <laughs> managing COVID-19 that the show was super weird this year. Uh, there were some things that I did like about it. They didn't have an orchestra this year. They had, because of COVID-19, they had Questlove, the drummer Amir Thompson of the Roots. He was a DJ. So it was strange when it's like, and the winner is so and so, and he'd be like, instead of your traditional, like, you know, orchestral play in. That's uh, all the musical bumpers were hip hop. And I thought that was very interesting and an interesting way to handle it because, you know, you got to adapt. One guy is easier to to manage than a full orchestra. But I also thought Amir Thompson, Questlove, He has a gig on The Tonight Show. You know, he's the band leader for The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon of The Roots. And he's been working all this time. And you know who has probably not been working nearly as much? LA Symphonic Musicians. And it's kind of sad that everyone in the orchestra didn't get the
0: gig and they gave it to one guy. (laughs) That's another way to look at it. That's true. That's an interesting way to look at it. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, of course, I'm a big a proponent of one person can be a whole orchestra these days, you know, with, with MIDI samples, and, and that's true, but you also have to think about the consequences of that in terms of, you know, I have a MIDI controller here in my setup, and I could pull up a, a six French horn section, and it sounds like it was recorded at a symphony hall, and I can add it to my recording, but as a result of that, six french horn players don't get paid if i put it into my my recording as as midi as samples so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of fascinating when you look at it that way <laughs> um another thing about the show before we get into it was the order was super weird did you hear about any of this controversy a little bit not much so they did the they did best picture like in the middle of the show it was bizarre they usually save best picture for the end um and then they did Best Actor last. And that, of course, angered people because Chadwick Boseman, who recently died of colon cancer at the age of 42, 43, he was young. He didn't win. Anthony Hopkins won. But Anthony Hopkins was in England, six hours ahead. They wouldn't let him accept the award from home. So he just slept through the awards. So the final award they did was Leading Actor. They said, and the award goes to Anthony Hopkins, and the Academy accepts the award on his behalf. And then they roll credits. And it was a strange way to end. So people were not only upset that Chadwick Boseman didn't win, but they were upset that Anthony Hopkins, he's like, well, no, I'm not going to travel to London and sit in a room with a bunch of people during COVID. I'm just going to go to bed. I'm not even going to be there to accept my award.
0: <laughs>
1: Fascinating, huh?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I kind of understand that I, with Anthony Hopkins. I understand that because you did your work, and it's nice to get recognized. It really does nice. But you do your work not not always just for the recognition. The recognition is nice, but it's extra. You do the work for the work's sake, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you and uh, he loves what he does. I'm sure, and he's good at it, and he does it because he loves it. He doesn't do it for the awards. Uh, although the awards, I'm sure, are nice, and so I, I, can tur- I can totally see that as someone who loves what they do, they do it for the love of doing it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, so good for him. Yeah, and I'll say
1: this now. I think I've said this before. Awards <laughs> for art is stupid. It's
2: it's.
1: <laughs> so we're doing a whole hour talking about these awards that have given out for pieces of art. And I think the whole concept of giving out awards for art is stupid.
0: Why? Why why do you think they're stupid, David? Because it's not a competition. That's right. It's so so specialized. uh, uh, specialized. Subjective? It's so subjective, yeah. I mean, not only is it
1: subjective, which one was best? I mean, for instance... We're going to get into this, I suppose, but Nomadland won Best Picture. That's the only Best Picture nominee you saw. You didn't even like it.
0: No, I didn't. <laughs> you'll watch
1: You'll watch a Hallmark movie, a random Hallmark movie. And you're like, I like this better. Because your idea of a good movie is something with a concrete narrative that has a first, second, and third act, you know, a climax and, and a conclusion. And Nomadland didn't have a lot of that. So the structure was different. And you're like, this structure... I don't care that the the cinematography looks good or that the characters are interesting. It's like the story itself doesn't do anything for me because it's not the way that I'm traditionally used to hearing a story. I think that was that's my interpretation of your problem with Nomadland.
0: That's that's probably part of it. Yeah, that's. But to me, it. Uh, I mean, when I was younger, my parents moved around a little bit, and I go, yeah, yeah. Well, I did that when I was a kid, and so why is there a movie about it? It just it wasn't that glamorous it was just uh so what's what's the deal you know it just didn't seem like it didn't seem like Well, was it a, what was it a documentary
1: no 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 nomadland was best i mean there was fictional and real life elements in nomadland but yeah i mean Frances mcdormand well, was an actress and she her lines were some of her lines were scripted and yeah, some of the people were real, some of the nomads. I think that's what the Academy liked about it. It was this hybrid, you know?
0: Well, the thing about the the guy, I can't remember all the names. Remember the guy with the beard? Yeah, he, the was Santa- like, he was like... Santa Claus. Like,
1: he was like the uh, shaman of the nomads, sort of.
0: Yeah, Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he started talking about his son, mm-hmm. that w- that was touching. That was good that was probably the best part of the movie. He was he was excellent, because he was sharing. He was sharing. Uh, uh, and that was real. You could tell I'm I sometimes these people act really well. But I thought, wow, that that that's real. And wh- how he was saying it, and what he was saying, when you lose someone close to you, that that's exactly like how you feel. And uh, you can put it into words. But the words really don't convey exactly the feeling, unless you have the feeling, and I think he conveyed it. It was very that was that was excellent. That was good, and uh, that that was real. Mm-hmm. That seemed real.
1: And I guess he. I mean, we talked about Nomadland on the podcast. He hadn't told too many people about that before he did it on on film, and now it's immortalized in mm-hmm. the best picture winner, which I think is a tribute to his son. Um, it is. One thing I liked about Nomad Land, like we well, guess we could just get into talking about how it won, is you know, Fern, Francis McDormand's character, who she won Best Actress. Um, and I saw two of the nominees for Best Actress, but I liked the fact that in that story, people were trying to to do things for her or offering her things that as the viewer you would accept it. It was a better life. Uh, but it's not the life she wanted. So she refused it and she kept moving. And I, I kind of like that because a lot of times they say, well, what would most people want? He's, she's got the old guy that's sort of fawning for her attention. And he's found this place and it's really idyllic. And, you know, everyone lives there and they all seem really happy. And there's children and, and he wants her to stay. But that's not who she is. So she gets back sure. in her van and she moves on, and I, I I respect that. It's and it's sort of dissatisfying for a viewer that's like, well, look at this. It's set up like a love story, and she just jets, you know, and she's back out on the road on her own. But I think for a lot of people, and it, and this is why I like the movie, a lot of people are that way. They want to be alone. They don't want to live in a big house with children and multi generational and have a boyfriend, you know, or, or or whatever. She wanted to be out there on the road on her own. And, and that was the life she wanted, so that's the life that she pursued. And people didn't understand it, but she did it anyway because it was right for
0: her. Well, there's—wow. There's a, there's a lot of messages there, David. There's a lot of messages there. Uh, people expect you to do things when you say, no, I don't want to. And says, why don't you want to? This is the right way. No, it's not. Not for me. And uh, you don't do things because you can You do things because it's good for you and it's right and and it's right for you. Mm -hmm. And if 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 it's one way right for everyone, then why doesn't everybody marry the same woman? You know, Mm -hmm. things are individualistic and and people understand that. And uh, there's a lot of, of course, we just had an episode on education. And uh, of course, my life has been in education. I'm thinking, yeah, that's true, because I sometimes I feel bad and I really recognize a student coming into a classroom and sitting down and listening. I said, this is not the only way to learn. Some people can't learn this way Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and everybody's not the same. Uh, Everybody doesn't live the same way. Everybody doesn't want it the same way. And I think in our society, we want to make everyone be the same. And that's, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're, you're undermining and, and uh, the, uh, you're undermining the, the potential of, of the human potential. Uh, like, uh, you get a degree uh, in something and because you really like to learn it. it. says, oh, well, therefore, you have to use it. Well, I'm going to use it over here. It says, no, no, you're supposed to use it over here and make a lot of money. It says, no, I'm going to use it over here and not make much money, but I want to have a happy life. Oh, a happy life. That's not what you're supposed to have. You're supposed to make a lot of money. So those kinds of conversations are very common. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't really understand they're saying that. Uh, and I think that, uh, I don't know, when I saw Nomadland, I just thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was just, yeah, it's just, it wasn't anything that uh, was uh, groundbreaking to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it was cinematographically, whatever in cinematography. But it wasn't the messages. I guess it wasn't that unusual to me because that's pretty much how I how I think and how I live and how I do things. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will look at every life. You can look at any life and say, oh, well, you could have done this and you could have done that. It says, Yeah, I didn't want to do that, though. Yeah, but you could have. I know I could have. But I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. So I think I think there's a lot of messages there. Yeah, and there also are. also the. Uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, indictment of our society of saying, and also our family units saying, you have to be this way. It says, no, no, you don't. Let your, kids, let your kids be who they are.
1: Yeah, I mean, Fern, Fern was old, you know. But, you know, her husband died and she just started to be a nomad. And her sister's like, you can come live with us. And she's like, I don't think you understand. I don't want to live with you. I want to be out on the road. It's like... I'm not homeless. I'm traveling from place to place. And that's the life that I want. You know, it's, it's, I can understand where it's like, that's non-traditional. So it's wrong. But sometimes non-traditional is right for you if that's what you want to do. And I think that's what the message of Nomadland was. That's, um, do I think it should have won? I don't know. Let's take a look at some of the results. We had Anthony Hopkins winning for the father. That was controversial. And I'll tell you why. Because everyone wanted Chadwick Bozeman to win. Because he just recently passed away. And I get that, you know? Yeah, um, me too. I saw, let's see here. I just saw two, I, I'd seen Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Bozeman, and Gary Oldman. And I thought my favorite performance was either... Riz Ahmed or Gary Oldman, I wouldn't have given it to Chadwick Boseman. I I I think it was a sent. He was a sentimental favorite. Do you understand? Um, He did act well, but I don't know. And Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was like a play, so a lot of it was like play acting. You know how you stand and you deliver, and you're in center stage. And um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom reminded me of a play, like a film to play almost. Sort of like one night in Miami. Remember when we watched that? Yes. That was like a film to play, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Just how dialogue yeah. heavy it was, and how few sets there were. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I think that was a consequence of COVID. It's easier if you have a cast of eight and you test them all, and you don't have a million locations, makeup people, extras. You know, I think it led to more intimate movies this year.
0: Well, getting, getting back to one more thing about Nomadland, mm-hmm. I think since they won, and I see Chloe Zhao won as Beck direct, it was very good. Mm-hmm. It was very good. But I think it was just the opinion of the Academy. <laughs> yes. You put another Academy together and you'll have a whole set of, that's that's art. And that's the way art should be. It's way I remember a little boy came up to me one time and says, oh, I'm really trying to draw a picture just like they do, because everybody likes that picture. And I says, well, don't do that. He says you draw a picture the way you want to draw a picture. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's yours. And so this is just what the Academy thinks. Yeah. Uh, you have another group of people and they'll have a whole, whole new set. So I kind of agree with you at the very beginning about awards for art is is tricky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's it's tricky. Well, Mank, Herman
1: Mankiewicz, as played by Gary Oldman, it won some awards, and I liked Mank a lot. It was a David Fincher movie. It was very well directed. Let's see who else. What else? Mank won um, cinematography. Eric, mm. Meister, it was awesome cinematography. Um, yeah. Production design, I think. Uh, what else did Mank win? Mank production design yeah and I think that might be it yeah so production design and cinematography Mank won but Mank is a story about Henry Howard Mankowitz. what's his name what's his name Herman Mankowitz, who <laughs> was played by Gary Oldman do you know his story He was the screenwriter for Citizen Kane, and he knew William Randolph Hearst, you know, because Citizen Kane is about William Randolph Hearst, and he went after him uh, because Orson Welles wanted to go after him, but Mank wrote the script, and because RKO Radio Pictures said we're going to Orson Welles is the boy wonder, we're going to let him direct and produce and star in this movie, and. Orson Welles got a co-writing credit, but it was really written. The script was written by Herman Mankiewicz based on his personal experiences with um, William Randolph Hearst. So Charles Foster Kane was William Randolph Hearst. And that year, 1941, um, Citizen Kane is widely considered to be one of the greatest movies of all time. But because he went after William Randolph Hearst, who was the chief financier of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Pictures... Uh, the only award that Citizen Kane won was for best screenplay. It didn't win best picture. It didn't win best actor. It won one Oscar. And Mank wasn't even there. But in a press release, he said, I'll accept this Oscar um, in the same way that I wrote the script in the absence of Orson Welles. Because he wrote the script all by himself. So, <laughs> um, but that that goes to show you Citizen Kane, which is widely considered one of the greatest pictures of all time, only won one Oscar for screenwriting. because <laughs> awards for art is stupid. Also, you <laughs> don't you don't know what cultural impact something may have years down the line. You know? Like uh-huh. Nomad Land may seem I think Nomad Land's part of its charm. And we're talking mostly about Nomad Land because it won Best Picture, but part of its charm is uh It's it's like a quasi-documentary. Frances McDormand plays a fictional character. A lot of her dialogue is made up. But she's talking to real people who are also nomads. And, you know, it's this sprawling across the country, different locations. But not in the sense that you're making a war movie or an adventure movie. I mean, it's sort of like an adventure movie. But the vehicle for adventure is a van. You know? I mean, you're you're seeing these different locations and you're meeting these people, but they're just nomads, and so it's not like a high budget type of thing. It's a low budget adventure movie that looks amazing. You see what I'm saying? And so the Academy likes like the incorporation of all of these non-traditional elements and the fact that someone could weave that into a compelling movie is what they liked about it. That it's interesting.
0: Yeah, but for, for, that was a good a good explanation, David. Because the Academy saw that as very, very unique, very, very uh, weaving uh, this non-traditional lifestyle into a movie. And uh, yeah, because that's not their lifestyle. Uh huh. If the Academy was made up of people who are nomads, they'd see that as, yeah, that's what we do every day. Big deal. They, they wouldn't see anything about unusual. That, that's normal. Could you make a movie? Could you make a movie about everybody in the academy? Everybody in the academy. And let's just look at their lives and what they do. They go and have breakfast. And then they go over here and they meet with these people. Then they come over here. Then they go there. Then they go to bed. Then they get up in the morning and have breakfast. Then they have lunch, you know, and then they go to the meeting. Then they have dinner. Then they go home and then they watch TV. And then they watch a movie. Then they do that. And you go. Man, that's boring. But to someone who does not have that lifestyle says, wow, that's fascinating. I want to give them an award mm-hmm. To me that uh, now that you think about it, now that I think about it, that's kind of what what it seemed to me like like, yeah, it was well done and it was a good story, but the who's looking at those nomads? It's people who are not nomads, yeah And they saw that exotic and they saw that whoa, that's really. Look at these people who have these kind of lives. Well, how many people have those kind of lives? A lot of people do. A lot of America does. Well, yeah, well, anyway.
1: well I mean, let's go to Best Picture. Let's just, because um, I, I want to bring this up. Okay. Um, Mank. It's a movie about Hollywood. Uh, old Hollywood. That's probably why it got nominated. Um. I mean, so Hollywood loves Hollywood, so they nominated it. Minari. It's about a Korean immigrant family that starts a farm in rural America. Now, if you are a Korean immigrant family that are rural farmers, what's the point of watching Minari? (laughs) Sound of Metal. It's about a metal musician that goes deaf. Well, if you're a deaf person, this isn't a look into an exotic world. He joins a deaf community and he sort of learns how to be deaf. It's not a look into an exotic world. It's your community. That's right, right. So You've lived it. But I think the thing is, you'll feel happy that you're being represented on screen. You know, these deaf communities, these enclaves, how they live, like, you're, you're being... I think the nomads were thrilled that for once someone recognized their stories as important, as valid. And, and I mean, yeah, people watch superhero movies because they can aspire to be a superhero. But I mean, Nomadland is not, no one would aspire, I mean, people might aspire to be a nomad, but it's more about showing you this world and showing that courage and nobility and pain and loss and all these things can be dealt with in a world that's not your world. And the same thing with Sound of Metal. So I I do think that the setting, you're like, oh, well, I know people that live like Nomadland, so Nomadland was boring. Well, it's like, yeah, but if you knew a deaf person, would you say Sound of Metal was boring? You see what I'm saying?
0: You know, well, I, I it wouldn't it, have the same. It's a different appeal. If you were deaf and you were a musician and this is, I says, yeah, that's what I did. Uh, so you would say, well, it's nice. It's really nice that they tell that story. Cause that's, that's how I, that's my life, you know, mm-hmm. but you wouldn't consider that just a groundbreaking type of a movie. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I don't know how, uh, it's the Academy voting. I'll put it that way. Well, I mean, and So what are, their, what are their criteria? So last year, Marriage Story, it was nominated for Best Picture,
1: I think, and Best Actor. And mm-hmm. it was two hours. I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard it described as two hours of talking in rooms. It's a couple, and they're in their late 30s, early 40s, and they're having marital problems. And it's two hours of them hashing through it. And a lot of people can relate to that. And it's not that it's like, well, people live this life, so the movie's invalid. It's, no, you sort of go into this world and you're like, oh, I see themselves in me. And maybe you see themselves in you if you're younger and you're, you know, engaged. Or if you are you just have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or you're not in a relationship at all, you can sort of take stuff out of that movie. I don't think that the fact that just because you know someone that might be like that I don't think that the exotic nature of—I mean—the exotic nature of Nomadland was a selling point, but the story was good too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that just because you have a point of relation to a subcommunity that's featured, doesn't invalidate the the movie. I guess it just makes it less you're impactful. Right. You're saying it makes it less impactful to you.
0: You're right. Uh, yeah, it, it makes it a, a different impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, David. A different impact. Last last night we were watching uh, YouTube on. Uh, 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 Oh, I can't think of the name. The um the the gathering in in New York back in the 60s, the uh, with all the music. Oh, Woodstock. Uh Woodstock. Uh Woodstock, you know, cuz I didn't go to Woodstock, but mm-hmm. uh if you were at Woodstock and you were there and uh you were in the crowd or even if you performed, but if you're in the crowd performing, you know, and all of a sudden they made a movie on Woodstock. Well, if you were not there, if you're a young person and you weren't even alive, then you'd look at that and say, whoa, that is fantastic. Why? Well, they see it with very different eyes than someone who was there. Mm -hmm. The reason they like this is, yeah, yeah, they're documenting what happened. And I was there and this is a little bit what happened, but a lot more happened than that. So I'm glad they made a movie on that. So they see it with two different perspectives. I guess that's. That's what I'm beginning to see, uh, or when, a, when I see Lands, is, yeah, it was good telling the story, but is it like, uh, like you say, I, I think of a movie and a picture <laughs> as something different than just telling a story of your life and, and what people do, and uh, because you have different criteria. And so I could see maybe the way they produced it, and the way they the cinematography, and even the writing and, and the storytelling. It was good. So do you, but, do, but you, is, you like, do you think you what like do you think you like Hallmark movies because they're
1: so unrealistic that you can escape into them? The world does that's not the, the world does not work that way. And that, so that's part of it. When you see a movie that's sort of like the world sort of works this way, and I don't think that should be a movie. You know, a movie should be a place for you to escape not a place for you to look at the world. I think that, I kinda wanna pull up Bill Maher on, I don't really like Bill Maher, but he had a tweet about the Oscars that I think was pretty good actually. Um. (laughs) Let me see if I can find it. Yes. Here it is. Are you ready? Okay. I don't have to leave the theater whistling, but would it kill Hollywood once in a while to make a movie that doesn't make me want to take a bath with the toaster? We all had a rough year. A little escapism would be appreciated. (laughs) It is very true that this year's Best Picture nominees, um, I didn't see The Father or Judas, but Mank was was pretty sad. Nomadland was kind of depressing. Um, These two were a little bit depressing. I didn't see Promising Young Woman, but it's about a sexual assault, so I'm sure it's depressing. Um, the <laughs> ones that I saw were depressing they were depressing movies um, and like like Bill Maher said no, there's no escapism this year like we had a tough year what if there was you know we could escape into this little world and be told this story and feel good coming out of it and I'm not the biggest Bill Maher fan but when he tweeted that I'm like that's a very good take on this year's nominees and that is not to take anything away from these movies the ones that I saw no. were fantastic but yeah they were depressing. So I, I see what he's saying, and I see what you're saying. Nomadland, it's, you're not going to walk away being like, man, that movie made me feel good. Yeah, I'm going to be a nomad. <laughs> yeah, and that's unlike a movie we saw that I think we both liked that one. So let's talk about that. Let's get off of Nomadland because we can argue Nomadland all day. This one is a, an escapism. Um, it won Best Music, too. But it also won Best Animated Feature. Where is it? Animated Feature Film, Soul.
0: Yay. yo! Oh, yeah, I like Soul. We watched Soul we watched, because it came On- straight to Disney+. Plus. We watched Onward.
1: Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed Soul. I liked that it was a kid's movie, as animated feature films often are. But it did confront some interesting things, and it told a story. There was escapism involved. There was these two worlds. There was, like, the afterlife world and then the real world. And the real world was jazz, and the afterlife world was electronic music. And that's why when it won Best Music, which I also agree with, um, you had John Baptiste, the jazz artist. And then, of course, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross of Nine Inch Nails, the electronica industrial artists. So they did the heaven world, and John Baptiste did the real world. And I liked how they combined those two. Mm. Um, yeah. But soul had a great message, too. And soul was sort of about doing what you love, in a way.
0: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Now, see, there we go. I, I, I guess we're getting into cinematography and movies. The soul, what I, when you're talking about it, what I liked about soul is that you came away with a realization that you didn't have when you went into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, there was a, there was like I would say I'll use the word learning. You've learned something, but not necessarily learned something. It, it reveals something that that was important, and you came, over, you came away better than you did when you went in. Like, yeah, we should do things that we love to do because that it's timeless. Uh, we should be who we are. It's timeless, you know. And so it really emphasized that a lot. And uh, it, it's to, to me, a movie uh, should be entertaining, uh, tell a story of some kind. But also when you come out, when you're done with it, uh, you come out with a, a, a knowledge that you didn't have before, uh, a feeling that you didn't have before, a realization that you didn't have or that's something new. Or to solidify something that maybe you've forgotten, or like bring it back to the basics, bringing it back to something that that's real, uh, back to things that are valuable. Uh, to me, uh, a movie should bring that to it, not not things that are that uh, will tear tear down you or your society, but something that will build up you and your society. And uh, that's what I like so. That's what I liked about Soul. It was uh, very positive. It was success in the sense that. Uh, this this guy he was a jazz player, wasn't he? Uh huh, jazz pianist. Uh, and uh, he says, yeah, it, it was it was a really good movie because it was a, it was a good movie because it was a good message. It was well done, and they had good music in it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that's um, I, I I liked Soul. A lot. I liked Onward too, but I felt like Soul was the superior film. Um, and I think that they did well choosing Soul. Now, as far as Best Picture, I don't know. I mean, I like Nomadland. I could have chosen Mank. I could have chosen Chicago 7. I even like that one, and I'm not a big fan. Or Sound of Metal. I think it was a very close field this year. They cho- I think they chose Nomadland because it's different. But before we talked, we sort of talked Best Picture, Blue in the Face. We, I <laughs> think that we agree, Animated Feature, Soul was a good choice. Now yeah. I think that we should spend the rest of the hour um, talking about the two categories where we have discussed extensively the films on this podcast and that's the sort of made for made for the internet category of let me pull it up uh documentary short subject which we saw all but one we saw four of the five and then documentary feature which we saw three of the five and we still have two the crip camp and mole agent we need to do a movie tuesday on So, do you think we should conclude with documentary short subjects since that was the main uh, thing that we did? We've covered on this podcast. So, let's start with documentary feature. Okay. Uh, I didn't see Collective. Neither did you. Nope. And I didn't see Time. Even though Time is on Amazon Prime. So, if you have Amazon Prime, you can see Time. Here's why I didn't watch Time. And you can let me know if you forgive me. Um, (laughs) Let me pull up. Here's one reason I didn't watch Time. Time is a 2020 American documentary film. It follows Sybil Fox Richardson fighting for the release of her husband, Rob, who is serving a 60 year prison sentence for engaging in armed bank robbery. That sounds depressing, although a lot of the documentary subjects are depressing, you know? uh-huh uh collective i don't know what streaming service it was on so i don't know so where should we start should we start with the winner octopus teacher
0: sure Let's see what are, what are we doing here? documentary
1: documentary feature yeah uh he went out and he got yeah. great great footage of the octopus i mean you know but yeah i'll tell you my impression because you didn't watch the awards The guy that was on screen the whole time, Craig Foster, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: he didn't accept the award. He's listed as one of the three, but it was Pippa Ehrlich and James Reed that accept the award. So when you watch the movie, My Octopus Teacher, there's two characters. There's the octopus and there's the guy, basically, right? I guess his son is at the end, too. Craig Foster's son. Yeah. Well, Pippa and James didn't even thank the octopus. (laughs) and the octopus gave his life yeah yeah he gave his life for film now Pippa and James also said we'd like to thank Craig for allowing us to come into his house for three months to make this movie now do you remember what he said at the beginning of the movie no I was getting burnt out so I quit my job as a documentary filmmaker and I just wanted to go swimming and get footage and it's like okay, you wanted to go swimming and get footage, but you let Pippa and James and the production team move in for three months? Like, the documentary lied to me. It sounds like he had a whole production crew there helping him make My Octopus Teacher. It's true. Um, so, the, the story, and of course, and here's my beef with My Octopus Teacher winning. It was a very chill movie, very nature-driven very relaxing with very good visuals but it was this guy's underwater footage of the octopus and his voiceover and that was the extent of it um,
0: I thought it was uh, 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 where Craig was was trying to dramatize uh, a uh, a human uh, a nature story uh, that it's just been an octopus and I thought it was very good. I thought it was excellent. It was good. They did a good job. Uh, but it's like a National Geographic movie. Yeah. Some of the National Geographic movies were, were as good as that, if not even better. I would agree. Um. Of course, I did learn things about the octopus I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're very smart. Uh, they, uh, you know, they would. The, the. Well, you know, the octopus at one point that he hugged him. You know? Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, is that hug? Uh, are we putting human emotion to what that octopus did? Or did the octopus have his own emotion today? You know, what type of uh, interaction was there? So we, we put human emotion under that. Yeah. Was there some like nutritional paste on
1: his wetsuit that the uh, the octopus was just eating? And it's so like, he hugged me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as opposed to the other two that we did see, which were Crip Camp and the Mole Agent, which I liked both of them better. We haven't done, we should do a movie Tuesday on those as well. I like both of them better than My Octopus Teacher. The Mole Agent, it's sort of a heartbreaking, but also heartwarming. It's both, don't you think? The Mole Agent? I thought The Mole Agent was excellent, yes. It's about a ad in a paper seeking a man between the age of 80 and 90, and he goes into spy on this nursing home because the client thinks that their mother might be being mistreated. And I think one of the reasons why it's heartwarming is that's not happening. If that were happening, it would be super depressing. But the nursing home's on the up and up. Um, the, the reason why the people in the nursing home are unhappy is because they're lonely and because their families don't come to visit them and because they're forgotten. And that's what sort of, I guess, is sort of spoiler alert, but that's sort of the upshot of the movie and the mole agent, the 83-year-old Sergio, who goes to uh, into the nursing home to spy, he's a good guy, and he's trying to help everyone. But the thing is, it seems like everyone that works there is a the good guy too. And he sort of realizes that. There are no villains here. the The real villain is loneliness.
0: And the families that sent him there... He called out the families. Yes. that were the problem. The the client. <laughs> he turned him around, and that's that's the beauty of age. He an eighty year old, seventy year old, eighty year old, ninety year old. That's the beauty. They're going to be honest with you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, they're not trying to, to, to build something out of lies. They're going to be honest with you. It's just no, this is not the problem. The problem are these families. Yeah, you know. And then, then he left. and went back home. A, a lot, of, a lot of it was. It was a very good. It was in Chile, wasn't it? Chile, Chile? yeah. It was in Chile, so it was. Uh, but it was so, so good. And Sergio, you just slowly, deliberately, loved this guy. Uh huh. <laughs> this guy was so real and so, so compassionate, and and uh, and he was honest, and he just did so much good see now that's a good a good field movie that, yeah. that was excellent that was so good it was I mean yes it's a feel good movie but it's also super depressing wouldn't you agree
1: it's both yeah because hey I I don't ever want to go to a home no and and like the lady Martha uh, uh yeah the, the staff would call because she she wanted to she wanted her mom to take her home her mom is probably dead because Martha's you know eighty. um and the staff would call and pretend to be her mom and talk to Marta. She's like, Mom, I want to get out of here. And it's like the only thing that would calm her down. It's like, that's heartbreaking, you know? Um, yeah. But I would say, watching the broadcast, which you didn't watch, Sergio was there. Sergio was in L.A.
0: He was? He was sitting at a table. Oh, uh, Sergio, you love him. You you will love Sergio. Yes. Sergio, just, just a honest, good Good, good person, all one hundred percent good person. Uh-huh. And I remember when they interviewed him, and his his daughter was reluctant. and says, "No, I want to do this," you know. And so he was just smart. He figured out technology. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was funny. And he would walk in, and he would interview people. He did a great job. He did. He did a great job. He, it, it was it was awesome. He took you, his you duties learned,
1: seriously, but he also. Saw things that needed to be done that were outside of his duties, and he stepped
0: up and he did them. He did, he did, and and another reason that he went in there, of course, this is a spoiler alert, but but it doesn't matter. I don't I don't consider spoiler alert a spoiler alert. You you'll hear it. It'll make you want to go see how they how they did it. Is that uh, another reason he went in there is because uh, there was uh, they think that uh, their mother was being stole from. Things mm-hmm. were being stole from her, and money was stole, and things were stole. So he went in there. And he found out, he says, yeah, she is, she is getting things stolen from her. But it's from the other, uh, was it from Marta? Marta, yeah. Marta's the one stealing because she's a kleptomaniac. And she just did that because she was so lonely. Mm-hmm. She she just did that just out of loneliness because her family never came. Oh, it wasn't. Her family hasn't been there all year long. He found out. That the family hadn't been there all that was year the lady long. with Alzheimer's. Oh, Alzheimer's. So he told his handler. He says, "You go." What, what, was this the one day? Am I getting the story right? You go get pictures. You get pictures of her family because they haven't. Of visited. your family. He got them. and then I mean, story. And he showed them to her, and then the other lady, you know, who never had. And he says, uh, "You know, you really should cry." He says, "No, I, I don't want to cry." That was he the said, same lady. Right, make, yeah, that's the same lady. I mean, story after story after story, is just Sergio went there to find uh, as a mole agent to find abuse, to find abuse. He emerged as uh, everybody's friend that did so much positive work in everyone he met. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, he was the king. He, they, he got, they, yeah, yeah, they, they crowned him king of the nursing home, <laughs> king to the nursing home, because he's such he. He was a nice guy that just wanted to help everybody, mm-hmm. and he wanted everyone to feel good, and he wanted to give everyone what they needed. Anyway, it was anyway it was a great it was great. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. I, really I thought
1: like it. that it had more heart than my Octopus teacher. It did. Now it did. the one that I think could have beat Mole Agent because I don't think Octopus I'd put Octopus Teacher last out of the three that I saw was Krip Camp. That was also very good. That was my favorite. It was your favorite? Now, Crip was Camp was a, I think and I I it goes back to Nomadland. I think that my octopus teacher was an unconventional way of making a documentary. You go out and you get hours and hours of footage with this octopus and then you sort of craft this narrative with the guy doing voiceover over it. Crip Camp was we're going to get archival footage We're going to get all the film that we have from these events from 1970 or from the late 60s until, you know, the late 70s. And we're going to tell this story using interviews and archival footage. And it's an extremely compelling story about how, you know, there was this camp, Camp Jeanette, in upstate New York, where a lot of disabled people would go. And they, for the first time in their lives, they felt like they were included. And then they get out into the real world and they're like, no, we're not going to be sidelined. We're going to fight for our rights. And... They had, you know, certain provisions granted to them on federal buildings. And they said, we need this everywhere. And they got the Americans with Disabilities Act passed. Um, So they became advocates for themselves and they became empowered sort of by virtue of having this camp. Well, I mean, that was the sort of linchpin. That's why it's called Crip Camp. When they were young, they went and they realized, hey, we're just people. And we deserve the same rights as other people. And so a lot of people from the camp became key organizers in the disability rights movement. And the story was extremely well told. They had all the relevant pieces of archival footage. And of course, the, the current age, current day, um you know, talking headshots that they do in documentaries. Extremely well edited. The story moved along at a great pace. There was suspense. And, of course, you know that it's going to culminate in the American with Disabilities Act getting passed, but
0: it it brought you along for that ride, you know? Yeah, but it, it told a story how it wasn't easy. It was not easy at all, and it really told that story well, that these, these, uh, uh, these I don't want to call them disabled or handicapped, I want to call them special. These special people fought, and they, and they wouldn't give up, and, and they fought and fought and fought and fought and finally won it. And it told that story how difficult it was. Mm-hmm. They didn't just say, oh, yeah, they came here and then this happened. It wasn't that way. And so it was realistic. I, I really like that part of it. But but the other part I liked, there was a political part. there is There was a human part of just, just fighting. But there was another part which I really, really like, which is close to my heart. And that was that the... Uh, at Camp Jeanette they said this is the first time we've come someplace where we felt included and we're listened to and we have a voice when we say something people listen to us they don't ignore us or they, they don't't don't put us over here or something I don't can't understand you and uh the the one scene David that really impacted me and I and I keep remembering this scene is, they would have these little cell cell groups, you know, and they have like, you know, five, ten people there and everyone would talk and everybody would talk and they give a microphone. And no matter no matter how well they talked, they talked and everybody listened. And this one young girl who had cerebral palsy and you, I, you probably remember this, David, she started talking mm-hmm. and I couldn't understand the thing she was saying. Cause it was, it was really muddled and, and I couldn't understand it, but they kept that microphone in front of her. And she kept talking and kept talking and kept talking. And I go, well, I don't, uh, nobody can understand what she's saying, but they let her talk.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and outside of uh, Jeanette, outside of that camp, they would say, "Well, we don't understand what you're saying, so let's let's talk to someone who does understand." But no, they let it go on and on and on, and finally, when she was done, another one with cerebral palsy says, oh, "I think what 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 so and so Nancy, or whatever her name was, I think what she says is that this. I think what she means by what she says is this." And and you and he, he could barely understand what he was saying, and then she says. Yes. Yeah. And so you couldn't understand it, but they could. Mm-hmm. And they supported her. And everybody was nodding. I go, wow. You know, there's something we're missing. Uh, human, The crip camp was my favorite. It, it was something we're missing of human potential because of appearances. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, he looks this way. He sounds that way. You know, yeah, but behind that facade, there's value in every person. Yeah. And you have to find that value. And that's what I loved about the Crip Camp. Uh, it, maybe You it Didn't Win This is a document, And it was a true documentary. Yeah. The others were short documentaries, you know, like within a, a year. But Crip Camp was a true documentary. A decade from of, yeah, these people's a decade. lives. That's right. And so to me it may not have won but it's going to be something that's going to last forever far beyond these other documentaries yeah because it 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 was so impactful to me yeah it
1: wasn't just some South African guy playing touch butt with an octopus for a year oh (laughs) you tell him David you know what I mean Mm mm-hmm um I timed out for some reason
0: The, the website yeah oh I, I got another one, but it doesn't show the winners. I got yeah, I got I got it back.
1: It's good. Um, so we yes. saw those three, and I liked I liked Krip Camp. I did. I also liked the Mole Agent. Just I liked how it's told the story. I could tell that they were finessing that story a little bit though. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. That's another thing that I liked about Crip Camp, and I think that maybe you might feel the same way. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but Crip Camp was the the story that they told was probably the closest to reality. Like you said, it's a real documentary. Yep. Um, these events happen. These people live them. Here is archival footage of them while these events are happening. And then here is them talking about it 30 years later, 40 years later. Um, and my octopus teacher is like, here's some footage of me with the octopus. The octopus is my best friend. The octopus is giving me a hug. The octopus is doing this. Like, okay, you're saying that the octopus is doing that. And the footage backs that up, but you have hundreds of hours of footage. You could say anything you want, you know? <laughs> and then the mole agent clearly to me, just because some of the scenes were so funny, um, like it was stylized. Like him trying to use technology. They they edited it and they may have reshot stuff, but just the way like the, the comic timing and stuff, I feel like they movied it. You know what I mean? They made it a scene. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, we're going to bring a – it wasn't a fly on the wall. It wasn't cinema verite. It's like we're going to reshoot this. Like when he told the lady, um, it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry. Well, there was a close-up on her face. And Sergio's talking to her. Well, the cameraman would have to be right behind Sergio's shoulder with the camera to get that close-up. And the next thing you know, it's a mid-shot. So the cameraman walked back and sort of gave him some space. But um, they they were, you don't think about that stuff when you're watching the documentary, but it's shot like a movie, and then, and then they edit it to make it seem like, oh, this is how the scene happened. But the scene happens like you would shoot a movie, not a documentary, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. By It's kind of like when you measure something, you change it. Uh, when you shoot something, you change it. And so if, if, the, if the cameraman was not there, would it have been the same? No, it would, it would have been different.
1: Yes. And I mean, the editing, it's like, well, yeah, this was impactful, the scene. But I know for a fact, based upon what I saw on screen, because a lot of people don't think about the camera, but I think about the camera. Yeah. That this guy was he hovering too. over Sergio's shoulder with a camera looking right at the lady in the face, like 30 seconds before he backed up and got a wide shot. She started crying. And it's like, that's weird. You know, um, whereas Crip Camp, I feel like, so they finessed the story in The Mole Agent. This guy just made up whatever he felt like about the octopus. (laughs) Crip Camp, like you said, it was a true documentary. It It was was a true documentary. It was real footage.
0: It was real footage.
1: And I know, I know what, what scene you're talking about with, um, I think it's Nancy. I forget. But then the main lady with the big glasses. Yes. Um. I, I like. her name. I like when she was talking about how, you know, from an early age, and she went to school, grade school, with the girl with cerebral palsy who could barely talk. Um, right. It was like, yeah, I was here with this school, That's but it was clear from the beginning that we were being sidelined. So when I got to Jeanette, you know, I emerged as a leader, but it was important to me that everyone have a voice. And then there's that scene where she's talking about, what are we going to have? The cooks are off on Wednesday. Are we going to have lasagna? Are we going to have the? And everyone got to speak up to say what they wanted. And then they go to the guy that ran the camp, and he, was, uh, he wasn't disabled. He was like a hippie, you know? And uh, he said one thing about that lady with the glasses, I forget her name, and I really should know her name, but I don't. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, people like that, they're a total pain in my ass, but we need people like that. You know, she was the one that <laughs> fought for the rights. She did. And she was the one that said, this is the way things should be. And of course, it made things harder on the hippie guy that just wanted to run a hippie camp for disabled kids. But he also realized... The way that she wants things is right it's just harder right. you know sometimes doing what's right is harder than doing what's easy
0: that's right that's right
1: he didn't like her but he totally he, supported he, what she he was respected doing. her and he liked he respected her. her
0: and yeah. he i think he liked her he respected her but she was a pain in his ass exactly yeah, yeah. and sometimes uh, you need those people you know and she did and she was young, and then, then she got older, and then even even now, uh, they interviewed her. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, this is the way it was back then, and we kept fighting, and we, we got it. And and actually, and there was another lady in that. That was such a good movie, David. There was another lady who was not She special. got in a car accident? She got in a car accident. Yeah, and, and then, then, she, then she started writing then,
1: about the protest for Ms. Magazine. And yeah. so she had this dual,
0: dual perspective, dual perspective. That's right. And that was insightful, too. And to me, it's that let's stop looking at the outside of people and start looking at the inside of people. Mm-hmm. You know, and respect the outside, but really look and see people from the inside out.
2: Mm
0: hmm. Um, so I think that
1: we're at an hour already, but we should we need to spend some time talking about before we go, documentary short subject of which we saw all but Hunger Lord.
0: Yeah. yeah, we really need to talk about this too. Yeah. Now Colette, it won, it was your favorite. Right? I really liked it. Yeah,
1: because it again it told the story because it went way back to World War II. Um now people have been watching our episode on Do Not Split. A lot, and I think it's just because it's around Oscar time. Um, I loved a concerto as a conversation, a lot, mm-hmm. and I liked Colette a lot. Those are my two favorites. Do not split tells an incredibly important story of people having democracy taken away from them in Hong Kong, and a love song for Latasha. It's a non-traditional short-form documentary. You know, you mm-hmm. couldn't tell who was talking. There's a lot of art. Uh, things were stylized. They refilmed Children from the Neighborhood in 2021. And that took me out of it. But I think some people liked the creative choices that were made. And that's why you shouldn't give awards for creative projects, because it's like... Right. um,
0: This lady was trying things different. Well, A Love Song for Latasha* was a very important story that was being told. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to tell it. But... And and it was their their artistic uh, license of doing it the way they did it but it didn't appeal to me but uh underneath what what i didn't enjoy how they told it it was it was confusing and distracting yes. to, to to me but maybe that was the artistic part of it i don't know but the story was very important mm-hmm. but i think i to me they didn't give justice to that story though for latasha uh, that was important—a very important story. Maybe in your mind,
1: but I think that that's the way they wanted to tell the story. And of course, there's grainy footage of Latasha getting shot, and yeah. they chose not to include that footage. And that's—I think it's an interesting choice because it's like her life was not about her getting shot. That was a tragedy, but we don't need to show that, you know. And I think that some of those choices are artistic, and they deserve to be respected. Now, I want to try to find this. We'll see. Uh, incidentally enough, we did. Movie Tuesdays uh, on all of these, except for Hunger Ward, and Colette is the only one that's blocked on YouTube because we played a few seconds of audio and they claimed our video and blocked it. So that's kind of sad that you can't find, but you can find the audio version of it on uh, your podcast provider. Now, do you want to see the Colette acceptance speech? Okay. And the Academy Award for Best Documentary no Short. Oh yeah, I got to I forget. Forget that this is wonky, and it drives me crazy. The hell is going on? Um, I. How do I share my screen? It's okay. There we go. Drives me crazy. Are you ready? Who's that lady? Marley Matlin. Oh, yeah, I know her. You and hear it now? the Academy Award yes. for Best Documentary Short goes to Colette, Anthony Giacchino, and Elise Goyard. I like what this guy says.
2: Thank you to the Academy. Um, I hope the actors in the room don't mind that uh, I have something written down here because there are all different kinds of people in the Academy. Um, Today is Colette's birthday. She was born just 22 days before the very first Oscars in 1929, so I, I imagine it must have been a probably a, about a crowd about this big, right? You know, uh, when she when we got nominated, she told us that, uh, or she reminded us that the power of documentary filmmaking ensured that her brother Jean-Pierre was. As she put it, no longer lost in the night and fog of the Nazi concentration camp system. And I want to say that I think it's the, that same power of the documentary storytelling that is going to uh, ensure that the memory, courage, and resilience of Latasha Harlins, Horace Bowers, the innocent children of Yemen, and the protesters in Hong Kong are not forgotten. I mean, that's why we do this, It's why we make these films, so thank you, thank you. Uh, We're grateful that these stories and these individuals have been honored tonight.
1: Okay, and he goes on to thank, um, you know, the people that provided money for the movie, but I think that sort of acknowledging Latasha, Horace Bowers, the protesters in Hong Kong, and the children of Yemen, I think that was a really cool move.
0: It was great. That's true. Yeah. So to me, what he just said there was not about the award. It was about documentaries. Yes. And it
1: was about maybe the importance of the award is not who wins. It's that we wouldn't have watched a love song for Latasha, or a concerto as a conversation or do not split or Colette if it weren't for the Academy Awards. So he's saying maybe the the point of the awards, like I said, giving awards to art is pointless. But maybe it just brings notoriety to stories that need to be told, and it makes
0: sure that you know those stories. That's right. Well, if you want to give, if you want to bring, if you want to bring attention to something, into some part of a, a area of a business or something, well, announce an award. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, everyone loves to compete to get an award or to see who wins what. And so it's the nominees that's going to be important, not the award. Mm-hmm. And the war is secondary. But the attention given to the nominees and why uh, they're nominated, that's something that's going to be important. So that's a really good takeaway from these awards. Mm hmm. And so, even though Colette blocked us on YouTube for using
1: two seconds of their audio, which was some lady speaking in French, it's not like we're trying to steal their product. We were using it with fair use. Um, I thought that
0: guy's take was pretty good, you know. I thought it was excellent. Mm-hmm. To me, that what that guy what that guy said was excellent because to me that just underscores the the people who make these documentaries. Uh, they're doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not, they're not doing it to make awards. They're doing it to tell a, a story that needs to be told. Yes. And to point out, there were five stories
1: that needed to be told. And that's... They were. Right. Um, and they were all told through the the power of documentary shorts. And I think that documentary shorts will be... A very powerful instrument going forward because of the internet. They're sort of perfect for YouTube. So, so I think that they'll continue to be a very powerful
0: instrument of storytelling. Yeah, if I, the power of just like you said, Dave, the power is 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 important, and stories need to be told. And um, I don't know if I if I were if I had a lot of money, I would support. Uh, documentaries and shorts. Yeah. uh, Rather than these long full length and everything. And uh, sometimes I'll get into a a full length movie and I'll just quit in the middle. I just get bored. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or like I don't care where this I don't care if they if they you see how it's going to be resolved and so big deal. But documentary is true and they have a message and that message needs to be told over and over again. And uh, I don't know, I'm a fan of shorts because it's not keep it succinct and keep it important and keep it keep it uh, uh, say what needs to be said and then stop talking. Yeah. And
1: (laughs) rock and roll. We call that all killer, no filler. There you
0: go. Yeah. And and in the army, it's kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. The kiss, the kiss and just get up, speak up and shut up. Yep.
1: Well, I think that, I mean, this was our main category this year, and I think it'll probably be our main category going forward because with a two- or three-hour investment, you can see all the nominees. So unlike the feature lengths, you don't need 10 to 14 hours to to sort of get your head around what's nominated. You can do it in a couple hours, and I, I love that, and the stories were important. And I think that at the end of the day, that's sort of what filmmaking is
0: about. It's about telling stories that need to be told. And when the ones that we saw, Colette, Concerto is a conversation, Do Not Split, and Love Song for Latasha, each one of those stories were, were important. Each one was important, right? Mm-hmm. But it was told a different way. Yes. Each one was told a different way. So you have the artistry of telling a story, and then you have the story that's being told. And so there's multiple things to value, M- multiple. Uh, parts of a short subject documentary that that's so important and i'm I'm a fan of of short of these documentaries yes Uh, they're my favorite part of the oscars just
1: because they tune you key you into stories that you may not have heard and they're important and i think that uh i'll play the outro music because we've covered the oscars pretty good over this last hour and 10
0: minutes Um, the way we want to (laughs) uh
1: is there anything you'd like to say before we get out of here
0: okay Hey, Sons of Sequoia, we uh, love to talk, but keep on talking. But listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. We'll see you next time, everyone. Goodbye.